Bees Radio Network. Live coverage of Bees Home Games. The podcast. The podcast. The podcast. Well, hello, hockey fans, and welcome along to the Bees Radio Network podcast, episode number 30. And I'm delighted to say it is in a new home. I'm delighted to say Skype hasn't crashed with everybody joining their home pubs across the country. And I'm also delighted to say joining me and maintaining his 100% record on the podcast, Mark Denham, how are we? I feel I need a round of applause there for myself, don't I? Though that would be arrogant. <laughs> Graham, I am all right, thank you. How are you? I'm very well indeed. How about you get everybody that's currently around your house at the moment to give a round of applause? Okay, hang on, here it comes. There it was. Great, that's there excellent. Good sign that good sign that you are social distancing, yes. as is very important for everyone. And that will be pretty much, hopefully, one of our few mentions of the C word on this podcast. Um, because we're going to try you and keep this. Mention a... Mr. Cloutman. No, it's, uh, as I always say, it's, it's my second favourite word to do with uh, officials is consistency, and the other one is uh, Cloutman. Nearly got that wrong. There. Nearly <laughs> might have had to. Nearly might have had to close the podcast down for a second. But uh, yeah, we're going to try and keep it a free zone from that. So uh, hopefully, a little bit of a break for you because I know there are many new listeners to the Bees Radio Network podcast out there because we worked very hard. We beave it away this week. And moved provider from the Patreon account. A big thank you to all our Patreon subscribers who have been great support throughout the year. We really do appreciate uh, all the financial support that you gave us to get everything up and running. Uh, But right now, as we said in the statement on the club website on Thursday, we feel it's a social obligation that we need to reach out further to our fan base during this time because there are going to be those people who are going to be distancing themselves and isolating themselves. And we feel that this is a great way to provide an outlet. So, As a result, you can now listen to the Bees Radio Network podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, which also means you can then use your Alexa. So apparently if you turn around to Alexa, if you've got one and say, play the Bees Radio Network podcast on TuneIn, apparently it will play on there. We are also on Overcast, Pocketcast, Castro, CastBox and Podchaser as well. There is so many different ways that you can now listen to the Bees Radio Network podcast. We really do appreciate all of you who have done it so far. The best ones I find is Apple Podcasts, because you have the option to subscribe to the podcast on there, which means anytime a new episode gets uploaded, it will automatically come available in your feed or download to your phone, iPad or computer. Whilst you're there on Apple Podcasts, I do have this to ask, and I beg you, please, please leave a review, ideally a five-star one, but we'll take whatever review we can get right now because leaving the reviews builds the algorithm that builds the audience for us elsewhere as well. On Stitcher, you can add the Bees Radio Network podcast to your playlist. On Spotify, you can follow it. And on TuneIn, you can favourite us as well. So plenty ways you can now listen to the Bees Radio Network podcast. And already hundreds of you, I'm delighted to say, are doing so. We really do appreciate all of your support. Yeah. Um, I just want to add to something you said as well. A massive thank you to everyone that supported us all season long on Patreon as well and all of the uh, the Patreon listeners as well, because without you, the Bees Radio Network would not have grown to where it has today. So thank you to everyone that was loyal and supported us on Patreon throughout the season. And welcome to everyone that has listened since we've obviously gone uh, free to air on Patreon, and now we have moved it on to this new platform as well, where you can get it easily on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer. It is now really, really easy to be able to listen so obviously there's going to be a lot of time spent, you know, like I know some people have 
used the Bees Radio Network podcast in the past for their commute to work. More and more people are working from home now. So obviously, if you are working from home, it can get a bit lonely. It can get a bit boring. Graham and I do our best to try and digest the the news as it happens, the Bees news and indeed the the league news as it happens in a kind of, you know, upbeat and fun and humorous way. So hopefully, uh, while things are a little topsy-turvy, we'll be able to bring a little bit of humor and uh, a little bit of enjoyment to your day. Exactly. If we were doing this for people's uh, commute now, we'd have to make like a 30-second podcast, wouldn't we, sometimes? Well, people just get out. To upstairs, upstairs, exactly. Yeah. I've seen plenty of tube maps online where people are going, here's my commute to work now, and it's the tube map with things like bathroom, toilet, yeah. shower. Yeah, I'm enjoying that as well. you got to have Hello, some levity. Welcome in- to the Bees Radio Network podcast, and thank you for listening. See you next time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we are. I've just covered That'll- most people's daily commute now. <laughs> Do you know, all working fun. on the radio, in all seriousness, all week long there has been virtually no travel. I struggle to fit it on. When you do radio, you have an allocated amount of music to do the travel over. And sometimes I'm sat there thinking, all right, this isn't going to fit. So what's a minor one? What's a minor one? Drop it. This time I'm like finishing it with like two minutes left on the music. And it's it's just weird. So, yeah, like if you do use it for your commute, then you're just going to have to walk very slowly downstairs uh, into your home office. Who would have thought that this would have been the one issue that really you cared most about is the fact your travel bed on the radio is now not gone. It's got too much time in it. Who would have thought? Time, yeah. It just gives would have... more time to fill in the hour, though. All those that say that I love the sound of my own voice will be loving that now, won't they? No comment. Um, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Anyway, also, you would have seen that we put out a release from the media team. Yes, we're working hard on a variety of different things and different options. One of those, thanks to uh, my good friend and our good friend at Berkshire and beyond, we're going to start trying to host watch parties of old bees games. We're beginning with an old classic from 1994, so really rolling back the clock in this one when we took on the Sheffield Steelers at the Hive. It's a great game, one that's definitely worth watching. Uh, I'm really appreciative to Dan there for hosting it on his site as well. The link is available on the Twitter feed, on Facebook and all that. We'll be sharing it again later on today. Uh, so that you're able to come and join us at half five, as ever on a Sunday. We'll be bringing you some action from the Hive, so I've definitely worth... Go on. As it's a Sunday, when you say half five, are we really going to start at half five, or will we be starting more like 20 to six? I mean, I know, I know that the, uh, the, I know that the, uh, what, what will play starts at half five. I can't promise you at what time the game might start on that one. With some oh, of the yeah. ones Dan has potentially got lined up, might be a bit a little later for the game to get started, but yeah, no... Really appreciative to, for Dan for that, and hopefully we'll dig out a few other games as well. There is a chat room available on the YouTube premiere as well, so you can drop messages in there. I know there's going to be quite a few Steelers fans tuning in as well, so that's going to be quite a good uh, one, and we're going to hope to dig out some other classics from over the years as well. Uh, also, whilst you're on the website, you'll have noticed that we've released t- t- details sorry, for the prepaid purchases of ticket refunds for this, well, what would be today's game against the Bison? It's still weird, weird to say things like that. Uh, so all the information you need on the website there. Season ticket refunds are being worked on as we speak. Now, we really do appreciate there are a lot of fans who are jumping onto the social media channels and saying, oh, don't worry about me. Just put the money. Look, it's very much appreciative, but we have to work out a solution. Uh, the directors are currently in the middle of doing that and uh, 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 nearing on how they're going to solve this because appreciate is just one game, but for those some people at the moment, that one game could be all important. So you keep your eyes on the Bees social media channels, keep your eyes on the Bees website. We will have information for season ticket holders very soon. I mean, obviously, it does take a little while to work through this because this is not something any of us were expecting to happen. 
Um, and this is like, they, we're living in unprecedented circumstances. And obviously, since the the game, since the season was announced as cancelled last uh, Monday, which came in live while we were doing last week's podcast, uh, obviously, since then, other things have taken over. And I know there certainly is a lot going on at the rink as well now, because obviously they're uh, mobilising yeah. contingency plans now as the government have shut down all leisure centres up and down the country, among other venues as well. So just please do be patient. Obviously, if you have made your purchase, you know, we do appreciate that the money is yours and not ours because for reasons beyond our control, we couldn't provide a game and you will get your money back. I do assure you of that. But just please be patient and um, just bear with Justin and the team at the rink because obviously this is a very busy time for them. And it's not just like, you know, when you... If you phone up and it takes a little while to get your call answered, just just be patient because obviously like with the rinks uh, skating program, the skiing program, learn to skate courses and all that sort of stuff that goes on at the rink. There will be a lot of people ringing up, I would imagine, over the next few days. So please uh, do check out the website. It's got all the details on there of what to do if you are a pre-bought ticket holder for tonight's game. That's, of course, Sunday the 22nd if you are listening to this in advance. Uh, just do please be patient when you uh, when you follow the advice given on the website because it's certainly nobody at the rink's fault that the uh, the game cannot go ahead. Yeah, exactly. And, and remember as well, those people right now, some of them are, have been long-time workers at the rink. This is a unique situation for everybody involved. So a little bit of patience really is appreciated. I'm finding um, it unique as well, you know. Well, I, th- I think everybody's finding it unique. As isn't... we're recording this, I should obviously be DJing. And it's and just should, a little bit uh, weird. You should be at Basingstoke on the old Twitter feed. I should yeah. be DJing in Slough. And it's just really weird because um, I, it is, is this, it's, it's just very, very weird. And I know a lot of people I spoke to last night who work at the rink, obviously from more than three feet away. But a lot of people that I spoke to yesterday were just saying, like, this is really weird. We just feel like we're saying goodbye. And the honest yeah. truth is it's not goodbye. Um, if you're an ice hockey fan, of course it's frustrating that the season didn't get to finish. If you are an ice skater, of course it's frustrating that you can't go. It is all for your own good. Seriously, it's all for your own good. But it's not goodbye. It's only see you soon. And I'm sure the skating program at the John Knight Leisure Sport will be back up again soon. Skating programs across the country, I'm sure, will be back up again soon, as soon as it is safe to do so. And with fingers crossed, we will all be back, of course, at the Hive in September when we kick off Season 2 of the NIHL National. Indeed. Before then, though, the IHF World Championships in Switzerland, where Great Britain were obviously due to play in Pool A. That has now been postponed. That was announced as postponed or cancelled, sorry, today. This is where I'm beginning to struggle with the vernacular that's going on with this. This has been cancelled. However, the NIHA Final Four currently has been postponed so along with this is where the (laughs) shot themselves in the foot again because on monday on the monday evening as we were recording the podcast which did then go out later that night the eiha media release said all games under the eiha until may 31st have been cancelled that to me means they're cancelled they're not taking place and now the word postponed has cropped up when postponed is anything but, the games are cancelled. And my understanding of this, and I, you can give me yours in a moment, Graham. My understanding of this was all games scheduled to be played that are organised by the EIHA, or should I say disorganised by the EIHA, until May 31st will not happen. 
After that, on June the 1st, if it is safe to do so, games will restart. And by that, I mean the rec games that are played under the IHA, the summer schools, the summer leagues that are all played under the IHA. That was my understanding of it. And now the word postponed has cropped up. And this is just, in all honesty, creating confusion. It's it, The Coventry finals weekend was the second weekend of April. And obviously that now falls within the window of where probably rinks will still be closed, but certainly ice hockey was cancelled. To then say it's postponed, well, hang on a minute. How are you now going to do a final four when you didn't complete the league and when you haven't done the qualifiers? Unless you just take the top four of the league, but then you can't do that because you haven't finished the league. To say on Monday you are cancelling and then later in the week on Friday to say postponed, make your mind up. You know what? Like I've, I've joked about this four-game suspension all season long. But when it comes down to this, the IHA was three days late in issuing Monday's statement and making Monday's decision, which then led to the confusion last weekend. And then having drawn a line in the sand, all games are cancelled and they finish up the table, which we'll come on to shortly, but they finish up the table. They then drag up the word postponed. And that, to me, causes confusion. I mean, Graham, what do you think from Monday? The word cancelled, how would you have defined or interpreted Monday's press release from the IHA? Well, I, I read it the same way as you have. Um, and I think there's some people being very smart and being very coy about this. Look, would we all love to see, like, and the Elite League have announced this idea of this Magic Five. Are we going to see a Final Four? No, it should not be a Final Four. Congratulations to Telford. You've won the league. You've won the, you've won the cup. Congratulations. Let's just call it there. The playoffs as a competition hadn't started. So yeah. you call the playoffs over. If we want to do something else and the league and Planet Ice, dare I say, want to do something else to ensure that money is coming into the coffers later in the, and maybe it's going to be an opportunity for clubs to have a little bit of a boost in their funding before the start of the new season. I'm all for it. If we want to do our own version where teams band together with their British players and put out, whether we have a four on four, a three on three tournament, whatever we want to do over a weekend, I've got no problem with that idea and that concept. Yeah. I, I quite like it because you could get to July. Like we've got to remember in the middle of all this, James Glatzi's testimonial at the moment is, is parked because the game cannot take place. Yeah. Um, so James deserves an opportunity to have his testimonial take place. And, in the same way that I don't mind if the NIHL clubs decide in July, you know what, we're going to put a, we're going to put something together because everybody's missing hockey and wants to get back into hockey and wants to play. I have absolutely no problem with that. I do have a problem though with it being just called, well, it's the final four, and there will also be people, really sadly, in the Sky Dome who will only go to watch their team and to watch the playoff finals. They're not going to be interested about going to watch some four on four tournament. You should be giving them the option. Um, and I know Planet Ice at the moment have been slightly overran by, you think, they've got to refund yeah. Coventry Blaze games, Leeds Chiefs games, Peterborough Phantoms games, Basingstoke Bison games, Milton Keynes Lightning games, and all the other events that would take place at the Sky Dome as well, including Great Britain matches. They are being, and, and obviously right now, everybody's workforces are beginning to, to cut back. It's tough for, for, with the number of staff they've got, and I'm not I'm not criticising them for that. And if it's going to be a case of in two weeks' time they turn around and go, you know what, the final four is not taking place. This is how we're going to do refunds. Great, no problem at all. 
I do think that that maybe should have been the announcement, not we're postponing it and we might look to do something else. So we're going to hold all your, we're going to hold the ticket money for now because you might decide actually you want a ticket to this later on down the line. No, give people the money back. It's not like it's a £10 game, £13 ticket for a match. It's an investment. And from, for some people right now, that investment they might need back. So I think it's a little bit, it's, it's poorly worded. It's, it's, a, it's the usual situations that are there. And I appreciate it's a unique situation. We'll always say this. It's a unique situation right now. But I do think that the, the, the concept that we're going to have an NIHL playoffs should be just completely forgotten about right now. The competition hasn't started. The league, we have a champion. We move on. The cup, we have a winner. We move on. The playoffs, we just parked for this season. There was no champion crown. Well, another issue, I think, with the postponement is if you then say at the start of June that we will even start the playoffs and you play it as it would have been played and you get a full playoffs in, well, number one, there were games awarded 5-0 that were called off for damn good reason that should not have been awarded 5-0 and those games would need to be played to make the table fair and accurate before you start it. But the biggest problem is no matter what you do, whether you play a full playoff starting on June the 1st, if it's all safe to do so, or whether you do some form of a bridged final four or a magic five or whatever, is where are the players? Because teams have now disbanded. Players are now out of contract. And where are the players? I mean, you've got obviously players, uh, the import players who have gone home to their countries in most cases. They're not going to want to come back, are they, for like a day's hockey, possibly, if it's a final four. They're not going to want to come back for that. Clubs aren't going to want to pay for them to fly back over just to play in possibly one, maybe two games. It is a mess. The playoffs, as you say, have not started. And therefore, it's not like you're cutting it off mid-playoffs and people are going to say, well, you know, like this is unfair. The playoffs haven't started. The regular season, let's be honest, from two to ten is kind of irrelevant anyway because it's an incomplete season. Congratulations to the Telford Tigers, who in their own right have won the league. You know, like if you look down to the NIHL one south, the Streatham win is kind of not as clear as Telford's because they hadn't actually outright won it. Telford in our league have won it. Brilliant. Well done. Telford won the cup. Well done. Those are two, uh, one certainly completed competition and one competition that no matter whether it had been finished or not, the Tigers cannot now be caught in. That's it. The playoffs didn't start. That's it. You may find, depending on how long this lasts, that the Stanley Cup is also not contested this year. They're not going to suddenly like just go through, are they, and say, right, well, I reckon that's a 5-0, that's a 5-0, that's a 5-0. Oh, and then it goes to extending overtime and, yeah, they can go through. It's not going to work like that in America, is it, in the NHL? And postponed, I think, is just almost to a degree dragging out. Oh, I don't want to say this, but it's just dragging out the inevitable, isn't it? And yeah. I guess, as you say, for a lot of people, I know of a couple of people already who've lost their jobs in this last week. To them now, if the final four is not going to go ahead as a full playoff uh, final four weekend, with every team an opportunity to go, they would certainly appreciate their money back right now because things will be tight. Even if you haven't lost your job, there are others, aren't there? You know, like there are companies that are saying we're going to force you to take unpaid leave 
etc., etc., to get through this. These are, as we said, unusual times. And I think the fairest thing to do is just to say, look, okay, the final four weekend is not taking place. Now, none of the playoffs is taking place. We are refunding your money from the second weekend of April. There may be some form of tournament, scrimmage, call it whatever you like, in midsummer, which is not going to be the full teams either because obviously players are out of contract. Players may, I know this is trivial at this point in time, but players may have holidays booked for June or July where it's safe to go on. Are they then going to give up their holidays to play in that? Imports, as I've already said, will be at home. Are they going to come over here for one, maybe two games? I think not. And I think whatever you do in the summer is going to cheapen the final four, which if you trace that back through the EPL, there have been some fantastic games at Coventry in the EPL. There were some fantastic games last season and the season before in NIHL 1 South. And this is kind of a long tradition, isn't it? You know, for a lot of people, the playoffs is the pinnacle of the season. If it goes ahead this season, having cancelled the season, having not completed the league and having hatched up some qualification system to get to Coventry, it cheapens the playoffs as a competition, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's why I think we just it should just be two very separate things. And I think I've got no problem with the idea that the IHO looking to do something else. You don't call it the Final Four. The Final Four is cancelled. The Final Four is over. We're looking at maybe once everything's back up and running, we're looking at this way as a potential to put money into clubs' coffers to start the season. We're looking at this potential thing. It will be a combination of teams. It could be whatever. Don't call it the final four. Don't don't go down that approach. Anyway, right, let's move on from that. Let's actually just go because today's podcast, as we wrap up to over the 20-minute mark, is actually a review of the season. It's our season wrap, which is always very exciting. Uh, I the- said to someone earlier that we were doing a season wrap on the podcast. I said, yeah, so me and Graham are recording. And they said, what, you're going to start rapping? <laughs> yeah. so, there's high hopes for this one now, Graham, isn't there? And as ever, as ever, as ever, take it away. I'll do the beatboxing. As ever, we will fail to deliver. (laughs) Uh, um, So it's probably important that we look at the final table. Now, when I say that this is a look at the final table, it is not the table as published by the IHA, who should really take a long look at themselves in the mirror for awarding 5-0 victories on the final weekend of the season when teams decided not to travel. No. Absolute was set with Streatham and Peterborough, though, wasn't it? Don't care. Absolute nonsense. You should look in the mirror. It's changed absolutely zero position in this table. And that's what I want to say to the IHA. You've just sat there and gone, well, we're going to do it. Jeez, I know terrorist attacks mean the EIHA can't do what they want, but it seems like global pandemics can't stop the EIHA either. So anyway, this is the readjusted table to reflect on the fact that those final victories would actually be carded as nil-nils. As they should be. As they rightly should be. So, let's start in first place then. Are you waiting for me to do a big ball right here? I was waiting for it. We've only done this for the last month of the year. and then all will get back to normal then. Hang on. Oh, that that was just me clearing my throat, by the way. Before anyone says anything, (laughs) that was just me clearing my throat. Here we go. And now, with the table, here's Beatboxing Graham. In one. 
Tigers running out, taking the title with that victory over the Raiders on the last weekend of the season. Played 50, 73 points. Congratulations to the Tigers, making it a double following their victory over the Peterborough Phantoms in the Cup. And into the Wildcats played 50, 66 points. Disappointing last day of the season for them, though, as they suffered a heavy defeat, which could have set up a very interesting final weekend because they lost against the team who are in three, which is the Peterborough Phantoms played 50, 64 points. What an intriguing battle that could have been. Just two points separating them going into what would have been the final weekend of the season. In four is the Bison played 50, 59 points. Good rule for the Bison. We'll get onto that in the season wrap. In five. Hull Pirates played 49, 55 points. Again, lots to get into with the Pirates there. There's some interesting stats about how they've ended up where they did. In six. Would you have believed this at the start of the season with how it started for them? The Milton Keynes Lightning played 50, 54 points points again would have been a very interesting final weekend of the season the pirates had a game in hand over mk and a one-point advantage in seven the steel dogs played 50 51 points so they still might have been in for a little bit of thumb looking over their shoulder at the teams coming up on the rails against them but they probably were safe in seventh in eight the Raiders played 50, 46 points. Obviously, a doubleheader of defeats of we- on the weekend, losing to the Bees and the Tigers, but they still would have held on to that one-point advantage. But you know what we said on the podcast last week? We think the team in ninth would have actually been in eighth. In nine. The boys in the white, black and gold, the Bees played 50, 45 points. In 10. And at the bottom of the table, the Leeds Chiefs, 49 played, 26 points. A first season of all sorts for the Chiefs, I think it's fair to say. Do you know what? I love the way you wrapped that up. There was a bit of hype and everything. We get to in 10. It's the Leeds Chiefs. Oh, I mean, <laughs> but, what, well, do you know what? What, what like, can you say? Well, I mean, we'll get, we'll get into the Chiefs in a little bit of a while, but what can you say? Like you, Before you, we get onto the, the individual team, you know, there were some exciting battles ahead had the league gone on. You had Peterborough Swindon for that 2-3 battle. You had possibly Sheffield for a a battle with the Raiders and indeed the Bees because the table could have played out that the Bees had overtaken the Steel Dogs had the Steel Dogs not won. The Bees could have overtaken the Steel Dogs and then the Raiders would have been seventh, the Bees would have been eighth and the Steel Dogs would have been ninth. So you had some real battles there as well. And that mid-table as well, Hull Pirates with a game on the Basingstoke Bison as well, just two points behind but with a game in hand. There was so much still to play for. Yeah, And I do think when you look at this final table, it has been ruined by the nonsense of the five nils because... It didn't matter whether you gave them 5-0 or 0-0. It didn't change any positions. And that's, that's the annoying thing here, is that the IHA should hang their heads in shame for the stupidity of this decision added to the NIHL 1 South decision, Streatham and Peterborough. That was the NIHL 2, to be clear. Yeah, NIHL 2, sorry, the NIHL 2. Added to that decision where they awarded that 5-0 following a terrorist attack. It just seems like, you know... If there is a serious incident, a terrorist attack, a global health pandemic, well, it doesn't matter. We'll call it 5-0 anyway. 
And those teams who didn't travel last weekend had good reason for not traveling. Global it, health pandemic, and yet the EIHA, it's not a good enough reason. And if you look on the EIHA website, awarded MKL withdrew at late notice. Awarded Bracknell withdrew at late notice. Uh, awarded Basingstoke withdrew at late notice. They didn't all withdraw because they woke up and thought we can't be bothered. And that's kind of ruined, I think, the table. You know, there were some great battles still to come and we end up with a slightly distorted table due to five five nil wins. Um, and to be and clear, that's the website. Shame, that's that's not the table we've just read out. That The table we've no. read out has, a rec- has changed the games that didn't play, take place to nil nils, which are a more yeah. fair reflection of where everything yes. was. So the, the Graham Bell table is what the EIHA website should look like. The EIHA website is what no table in the world should ever look like. <laughs> that's that. that is the EIHA in a nutshell. Anyway... Again. Yeah, I'm sure. That sounded like the start of Barbie Girl, then, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, you didn't come back with it, did you? I mean, yeah, well, to be fair, that you could describe you someone come back with it. No, you, but you could describe someone the IHA as airheads, and that's probably where we're getting to. So, anyway, <laughs> um, woohoo! Uh, we're, we're not behind a paywall anymore. Must remember, people can hear all this. Anyway, right, uh, let's go through the teams, and let's start at the top with the Telford Tigers winning the league title. And it's a really weird one to talk about the Telford Tigers because obviously the last time the Bees played the Tigers, it was a four-point weekend for the Bees against yeah. the eventual league champions. Um, look, they had some major injuries throughout the season. Uh, Jonathan Weaver not playing some of the time. Jason Silverfall not playing some of the time. Brandon Whistle going down with a hand injury as well. Like They had a lot that got thrown at them. They had some disciplinary issues with... Uh, the likes of McKinnon taking long suspensions at times during the season as well. Uh, same with Andy McKinney too, also having a big suspension. Yet somehow through it all, this Telford team got it all together, put the pieces of the puzzle together in the right place at the right time. The emergent of great young talent. I do think the consistency in coaching, and it's no real surprise to me, you look at the top three teams in the league, Telford, Swindon, Peterborough, what are the one thing all those three clubs have got? is consistency in coaching. Tommy Watkins has been at Telford for years. Aaron Nell's been at Swindon for years. And Slava Kulikov's been at Peterborough for years. Below that, everybody's sort of one, two years into roles. That Everybody's fairly fresh in coaching below that. Those top three clubs have got consistency in coaching, have got consistency in the players and the, the knowledge of the system that they need. And that, I think, can be, you can put that a lot of that down to why Telford did go on to win the league. They're extremely well-drilled. They added the right pieces of the puzzle when they need to with the likes of Brandon Whistle. The pickup of Dominic Florian before the start of the season, the guy who barely put up a point in the Elite League, but was such a dominant force. And I'm talking, you look at him in the points table, he is up there, but his style of play was just extremely dominant, extremely imposing on a game. And I think that, for me, is why Telford just had that little bit of an edge over everybody else this season. Do you know what? Like Full credit to Tom Watkins, because... He has built up over the last few years. He built up a team that has got him to where he is today. And what that's allowed him to do is it's allowed him to have the depth of talent to fill those huge gaps this season. Silverthorne, Weaver, huge gaps in the roster. Other players have stepped up and they it's almost like a bit of a shame when you, you know, for them, when you say, right, Silverthorne's ready to go, Weaver's ready to go, you have to step back. Because... They've done a fantastic job this year, stepping in, 
keeping the standard of play the Tigers needed and obviously also knowing the Tom Watkins system and everything, knowing the guys they're playing with. Full credit to the, the Telford Tigers, who have come under a little bit of pressure at the end of the season. There was a time where we were talking on this podcast about the fact that the Swindon Wildcats could still have done it. Not uh, The Telford Tigers weren't really helped by the Bees' four-point weekend either, a couple of weekends back. But they've weathered that pressure. They have come through despite their two huge talisman players missing for great chunks of the season. They've come through and they've won the league. So massive congratulations to uh, Tom and all of his team. Yeah, because it's weird. You look you look down the list. I'm, I'm just looking at their numbers right now. Like Jason Silverhorn played 36 games. Andy McKinney, 36 games. Brandon Whistle, 37 games. Rick Plant, 38 games. Weaver doesn't even make it onto this list because he only started playing at the very end of the season. It really shows you just, it, they lost. You turn around and say, out of your team, at any one point, I'm going to take away the like of a Silverthorn. I'm going to take away the likes of a Weaver. Obviously, Whistle came in later in the season. I'm going to take away the likes of McKinney. Like, you're losing big players. You're losing experienced players to guide those younger guys forward. Brad Day had an outstanding season in net. I feel like you're almost overlooking that um, and being a little bit disrespectful by not saying that myself there um, because... Brad did turn up and deliver the goods for the, the Wildcats side. Uh, sorry, for the Tigers side. And yeah, 178 goals against this season. It was a it was the best in the league, but not by much. 217 goals. It looked like they were whacking in the goals at the other end as well. No, tight games. Tight games. But that's that's the thing that Tommy Watkins is able to done and to do. And that that for them for me is just why the Tigers this season deservedly. And I think. When you talk across the league, you talk to people, you just sit there and you go, yeah, Telford were probably the most consistent and best team in the league this season. There were probably spells where other teams in this league played to a higher level, but Swindon did it for the 50 games that they needed to and the cup competition as well. It wasn't like they were turning up for 10 and not there for five. They were there for the whole 50 games throughout the season. I mean, you can just look back at the records. The Bracknell Bees played better hockey than the Telford Tigers and won a four-point weekend. But over the consistency of the over the season, the duration of the season, the Telford Tigers put in consistent performances. Yes, they were off for a couple of games, and we capitalised when we had the chance. We went to Telford. Uh, we won in Bracknell as well, four-point weekend, brilliant against the league leaders, the champions elect, brilliant. And I think, you know, without then missing out all the rest of the teams, I think the one thing I do want to say is that whilst the Telford Tigers finished with 73 points and there's like, you know, almost 50 points between them and the Leeds Chiefs, every team in this league is capable of beating every other team. And I think that's what's made it so exciting. But when the chips were down, the Telford Tigers turned in the performances. And we've mentioned a lot of times over the course of this podcast, the number of one-goal games that have tripped up the Bs. When you look at the goals against, 178, the lowest by one, but the goals for for the Telford Tigers are lower than the Swindon Wildcats and lower than the Peterborough Phantoms and lower than the Hull Pirates. So that shows how well this team has coped under the pressure of low-margin games and how well they have closed out those games and how consistent they have been. So well done to the Telford Tigers on, I guess you would say, being the 
most consistently best team in the league. And there's a lot of stringing things together, isn't it? The most consistently best team. I can't see that appearing on any reports while people work from home on Monday morning. But... No, that's not making the movie podcast. That's not making the movie poster, is it? Most consistently best. No. Um, but yeah, so full credit to Telford. Well done. Double winners. Congratulations. So you kind of start turning around to the rest of the teams and you start going, well, if that's why Telford won it, why did everybody else not? Or why did everybody else finish where they finished? And uh, we'll turn our attention now to the Swindon Wildcats, who I think, once again, going into the season, I think everybody pretty much had down as the title favourites on paper. Um, I, th- I, I said before the start of the season, I wondered when the phone call to Jonas Hoog would go in. It didn't go in. I'm delighted to say Jonas did not make his way across. Uh, I, I do argue that I think where Swindon failed this season compared to last season where they were dominating, I think they missed secondary scoring from their import. Now, I know Tyler Van Cleef had a very difficult start to the season with the uh, blood clots that he sustained and uh, great for him to get back out on the ice, give him a lot of credit. 32 games, 40 points, 25 goals, 15 assists. And by the end of the season, that had dried up. And I had quite a good chat with some Swindon fans about this and I was very open. I said, Tyler's one of those players who has got so much great skater, can throw the body, great shot, everything there. It's just you see it for maybe a minute, two minute a game. You don't see it across a whole game. Tyler has the ability, I feel, to dominate this league. And he doesn't. 32 games. But he didn't last year. 40 points, 25 goals, 15 assists. It became a bit of a joke for me looking going away from a game and going, oh, there's Tyler with his point for the game. Oh, there's Tyler with his point from the game. Unfortunately, well, you're imp- unfortunately your imports, you, they need to be putting up, ideally in this league, more than just over a point a game. And it, yeah. like you look at Thomas Malazinski, who I think we all agree was such a strong import. 46 games, 77 points. By the way, congratulations <laughs> to Aaron L. Another 100-point season as well for him. Like, you, you look at it in those in that respect and you just go, yeah, that production is ju- you can put he was okay, Max Brabeer played twenty two games. And Max outpointed Tyler Van Cleef. Yeah. There's there's one statistic that I would like to, to bring up on this. Tyler Van Cleef, thirty two games, twenty five goals, fifteen assists, forty points. In on paper, one of the strongest teams in the league. I want to flick up now the stats a little bit to, on paper, not as strong a team as the Swindon Wildcats. And that's us, the Bracknell Bees. Dominic Gabay played 32, exactly the same. 36 goals, 27 assists, 63 points. And that is the difference to me in possibly why the Swindon Wildcats finished second. Because when you look at the return of Dominic Gabay, 63 from 32, and you compare that to the return of Van Cleef, who is 23 points short from the same number of games, you imagine if Van Cleef had had the season that Gabay had had, then possibly that table would have looked slightly different one to two. Yep. And I think that is a big thing, really. In we, I mean, you and I have both been around hockey for a long time. Eight imports in the BNL, like, you know, 12, 13 in the Elite League, then the EPL with four up to five, and now we have two. Those two 
have to be standout leaders on the ice in terms of their attitude and approach, in terms of their fitness and conditioning, and obviously in terms of their point production, just over a point a game, 40 from 32, is not good enough for one of what should be your star players. And that's what an import is in this league. There's only two. You know, in the elite league, you can get away possibly with hiding an import because there's so many of them. Even in the EPL, when they had five, your fifth import, uh, hello, Webby Dodge, uh, your fifth import didn't have to be great. But when you've only got two, they have to be. And I think Van Cleef, um, it's right. First, it's great to see him back on the ice. As you said, he had a horrible start to the season, unable to play with a blood clot. Good to see him back in good health and good to see him back on the ice. But if Aaron Nell is looking for why did we finish two and not one, perhaps the production of Tyler Van Cleef may be one thing that he has to come to consider. Yeah, and I'm not That's just harsh. I'm, I know. Yeah, but I'm not. I mean, by all means, I believe it's the number one reason. It's not the only reason. They did miss Sam Jones this season as well. Last year they yeah. had Chris and Sam, uh, the Jones uh, playing for both of them. Sam, they did miss something defensively this season, um, and I think that's an area they need to look at a little bit. Is to give Rennie Mar a net, who Rennie on his day is one of the best netminders in the league, but you need to provide support around him. Like I love Stevie Whitfield as a player. I've always liked how he plays. Um, but I do think there is some challenges on that defense that I think teams have begun to read. Again, the consistency in that D and that they've been around for so many years, people are beginning to read and they know what it's going to come out with. You know with Swindon, Aaron's going to take it all on himself. He's going to ice out as much as he can to do it. And sometimes, unfortunately for Aaron, he's going to start blowing out of his backside by the 10 minutes to go in the third because he knows he's got to push it. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. And I know there are certain fans in who, from around the rest of the league who like to criticize Aaron's coaching. I don't think that's the problem. Um, he's got a very good support network around, alongside him with the likes of Lee Richardson and all that. It's not necessarily that. I think there is... It's, it, it's a season where, again, it's the old paper hockey with Swindon. On paper, they've got the best team in the league. Yeah, when it goes out onto the ice, it sometimes just didn't match up. It didn't match up for years in the EPL. This year, second place, and don't tell me, I'll take second place in the table. But I think they all sit there and they go, yeah, we if we just had those little elements, if we just had those two or three little additional elements, yeah, that was probably our league title. Now, you say uh, they are, you know, were perhaps weaker this year in defence than previously. But uh, Rennie Marr tops the statistics chart for netminders. And we did mention a few weeks ago on the subject of backup netminders that you can distort these statistics however you like. But taking them at face value now, Jordan Headley played just two games and just edges Marr into second place. But of all the consistent players within the, the consistent goaltenders. And one of those, one of the, hang on, well, one of those Headley games was against us and he was awful. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Not reading that, but go on, sorry. No. So I, I don't think you can count that because normally on any goalie stats, there's a minimum of games iced in, and this is just two, so that wouldn't really count in any distinguished set of statistics. But Rennie Marr, uh, 46 games played, and he finishes with a 90.35 uh, save percentage, and he also leads the league in shutouts as well with four. So even with that slightly weaker defence, Renny Mara stood tall for the Swindon Wildcats this season. And I reckon he is probably part of the reason that they have done as well as they have done 
when they haven't got full point production from both imports. Right then, now, Mark. Right then, Mark. I'm going to ask you a question on that. Okay. Go. You got a fan. I've got a fantasy team in front of me. You're picking your fantasy team. You picking Rennie Mar as your as your starting netminder? Because not being oh, not being funny, I'm not even picking him out of his family. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, no, I mean this is a tricky one, isn't it? Because when you look at the stats, if you look just at the stats alone, you say right, Rennie Mar guide my uh, guard my net. But I think no, and this is the same argument as we had on the backup goaltenders a few weeks back. Um, I think he don't get me wrong. I think he is a very very good netminder. His stats this season are outstanding. The four shutouts, brilliant. But would I pick him as my starting goaltender if I could pick an all-star NIHL national team? Probably not, no. I'm not even going to talk as an all-star. I'm talking about you as a coach. If I, if you're if you're a general manager or you're a coach, you're selecting your team. Heaven help and, my team. Yeah, and you've, you've, you've basically got to go, which netminder in the league are you putting, you putting your back on for them to perform? As I say... I'm not even picking Rennie out of his own family. Mm. I'll throw a name out there for you. Go on. Camoy Arena. Oh, we're not going back to that. I, I, no, no, no. <laughs> we're going, we're going, in, going <laughs> no, on who's in the... I'm joking. Going no. on who... Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, right, Rennie Marr would make an awesome backup in my team <laughs> if I could afford to have two... Uh, he's not, he's, not, sati- he's, not, he's not statistically the best backup netminder in the league, though. You know that. Well, if we're calling him a backup, then yeah, he is. And that's just that it's Dan Weller Evans out. But sorry about that, Dan. Um, but no, I don't know. I don't, th- I don't think he would be my, my choice. I think he's a good netminder. But then as you say, his brother, you cannot discount his brother either, who is a, a very good netminder. Um, and I, and I, again, I would to the other netminders as we look around the other yeah, teams as well. So I don't really want to drag everybody's name up now and ruin what we're about to talk about. But no, for Swindon, I guess they would want perhaps one extra body in defence just to tighten that up a little bit. But also, I think you can't overlook. You only have two non-EIHA trained players in your team. You cannot overlook the fact that thirty-two games and forty points is not a good return from your overseas player. I don't think you can overlook that at all. Um, they've played a good, consistent game all year long. Uh, we've had some great battles with them. Yeah, this year, yeah, yeah. They've played a good, consistent game all along. But yeah, you know, the difference between one and two probably isn't that much when no. you actually like add it all up. The difference between one and two isn't that much. Had the Bees not had a four-point weekend against the Tigers, had the Wildcats beaten us when they were last in Bracknell, then maybe that table would look a little bit different now. But, you know, the margins are very, very small. And I do think that, you know, possibly a 40 from 32 return from your non-EIHA trained player does play quite a big factor in that as well. As, you know, I'm going to be honest, like closer to home, Robin Kovar, Replaced with Dominic Goodbye. I'm going to look closer to home before, like, we'll come on to the Bees later. We'll come on to MK later, let alone the Bees. We'll come on to MK later <laughs> as well. But, you know, when you look at the difference that that made in terms of the, 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 the Bees, not just the points Dominic put up as well, but the inspiration he brought to the team, I do wonder, maybe, and I know you, you called it, and I know you're glad it didn't happen, but would Jonas Hoog have put up a better return than Tyler Van Cleef? for the Wildcats this season, could that have been the difference? I mean, 
If you look, their stats in terms of goals against, there's only one between them. Yeah. So defensively, they were fairly equal to the uh, the Tigers, but it's the goals for. They've scored more goals for. What that must mean is when you take out Mars for shutouts, the other victories and the other defeats have been bigger margins than the Tigers, who've ground out the important, crucial wins this season, whereas the Wildcats have scored more, only conceded one more goal. It must mean that when they have conceded, they've conceded big. Yeah, exactly. And do you so know... in the defence, your argument about the defence then does come into it as well, because I'm sat here saying I don't think Van Cleef has returned that well, and yet the Swindon Wildcats are the leading scoring team in the league. And that's easy to see when you've got... Uh, no, they're not. And when you've got no, men. they're not. Oh, no, the whole Pirates are, aren't they? With exactly. Jason Hewitt yeah, yeah. tearing away. But the Swindon Wildcats then are the second, I stand yeah, correct. By two goals. I mean, it's, it's by two goals. Split, split hairs here, but... Well, I haven't got any to split, but the Swindon Wildcats <laughs> are the, the second. They are the uh, the second highest scoring. So maybe, maybe Van Cleef's 40 from 32 wasn't as bad as I'm making it out. And when you look... One goal difference conceded between the Tigers and the Wildcats. The difference between one and two is one goal against. And you think, ah, oh, yeah, maybe what Graham said about the defence is is the thing. I mean, the the Wildcats have conceded 179, tied in second place with the Basingstoke Bison in terms of goals scored against. So maybe it's just the the manner of the the losses because. If you take the shutouts off of that 179, then they must have blown some big results. Not big results, but bigger margins perhaps than Telford to have finished second. Yeah, now, now it's funny. You've been talking about there's not much difference between one and two. I don't think there's that much difference between one, two and three, if I'm honest with you. And you've got, no. you've got to roll back to the start of the season. You've got to look at the early doors for the Peterborough Phantoms. Obviously, defeat to us. Defeat to Swindon, yeah. defeat to Basingstoke. Starting yeah. the season off, they were they were slow out of the blocks, and it was something we raised as a potential issue on the uh, pre-season podcast, where we said, "Look, the end of last season, Peterborough had that amazing team. They won a double. Probably should have won more, and we'll feel like they should have won more. But they won a double. Brilliant. What do you do? You re-sign the whole of your team in a press release on a website." And then a couple of weeks later, you go, oh, by the way, Alish Padalek, who was going to retire, he's going to come back as well. Alish actually ended up top scorer for the Phantoms this season. So, yeah. like, so Peter Rose sat there and went, this is our stall, we're setting it. They lost Corey McEwen early doors, which was a bit of a blow for them. I love Corey as a player, and I think it took him a, a long time to get back to his best. Even when he was, we saw him second time around, I was like, that's not the Corey McEwen I know that can play. Um, but as time developed, he really uh, jumped into it. I just think it was that poor start at the start of the year that just shot them in the foot. Uh, because well, also, also at the crucial end of the season as well, the Phantoms came, and we did say this in the build-up, you know, has Slava got one eye on the cup when we played them at the Hive? And we didn't play them, we dominated them at the Hive. So at the business end of the season as well, they got outdone in some of their league run-ins and if you say Slava had an eye on the cup as well, that didn't come off either. So they had a poor start and then they've just gone through that little dip in form right at what would have been the crucial time in the running of the season. Let's not forget, as we record this, there would now be uh, one game left for everybody to play today. So the Phantoms coming into this crucial phase where 
let's say the bees are hitting form. Maybe a little bit late, but the bees were hitting form. The phantoms have just dropped off a little because they've not, you know, fully, they've not consolidated their league position and they also didn't get the cup either. So maybe the slow start and that dip in form just over the last few weeks for them as well, it could be costly. It is It is worth saying though, like one guy who this season has again stepped up and for some reason he loves playing against the bees. He loves putting up points against the bees. Martin Susters, 46 played, 70 points. I mean, and the thing about Susters is as well, I'll get, I, like, He's got a very old school way of playing. He's a he's a he's a very um a very tenacious player at times. Um, he can drift out of a game. I think it's fair to say you do occasionally see him, but he always seems to be that guy who just gets in the right place at the right time. He's not gonna he's not gonna dangle you round. He's not gonna dance around players that much. He's just gonna be determined. He's just gonna be a little bit little bit power forwardy at times. Get the tip on the play. Get the finish on the play. Skate into the right slot. Like he must be sat there right now going, God, I didn't want this season to finish because I'm just putting up points left, right and center. I'm really enjoying myself here and how this is going. And he must just be like, crap, this has just come a little bit too early for me, if I'm honest with you, Mm. because he was having an outstanding season. Well, I mean, we mentioned, didn't we, on the commentary when we last played Peterborough, uh, Petr Stepanek, one of the biggest shots in the league. And when you look, Susters, 46 games played, 70 points, same as Stepaniak as well, just behind Alice Padalek on 72 points. So for Martin Susters, he has had a, uh, a very good season, 36 plus 34 for his 70 points, uh, more goals than Stepaniak as well. So yeah, he does the gritty stuff though, doesn't he? He gets to the net, he gets the tip-ins and stuff like that. He'll quite happily battle away for the puck as well. When he hasn't quite got control of it, he'll battle he does the hard work and he's got the results this year. He's got the rewards tied up uh, with Pedestal Panyak for points this year. Well done to Martin Sisters. Good season for him. Yeah, good good year as well, I think, for the uh, netminders as well, like Ryan Bainborough getting a lot of uh, ice time as well. Bainborough, he, he, go, he can be on his day, again, one of the best netminders in the league. We've, we've hit him at times where he hasn't been, um, but that's so be it. But it's nice that they've got the option to split the two goalies. Obviously, Jordan had his injury during the season as well and glad he made his way back out onto the ice I'm really looking forward to what the Phantoms do next season like obviously this year was very much just a regurgitation of what we saw the year before exactly the same team on the ice no real changes they've already announced uh, Callum Buglas returning that's a big signing for them I love Callum as a player I think that's a really good pickup for Peterborough because they are losing to basically cornerstones to their team. And it's going to be so weird. Um, at one point, we had an excess of Ferraras on the ice. Now we're not going to have any at all because uh, James and Rob have both announced their retirement. We wish them all the best in their retirement. Um, and they've just been mainstays in that Peterborough team for so many years now. They've been a real part of that core backbone that they've had. James is up there in the scoring charts again this season for the Phantoms. Rob does an outstanding job at the back. Really dependable role. It becomes a real reboot. It become, It's going to be a real reboot for the Phantoms because you're losing two key guys. There's probably, there is going to be more coming off the production. You look at the guys like Hunt and Long that are coming through. There's probably uh, Bradley Bowering's probably going to step up a little bit more on D this season as well. So it, it's not like there's nothing coming off the conveyor belt behind them. But you do sit there and you do go, okay, it's going to be a different face at the start of next season for the Phantoms. 
the the Ferrara brothers are players that you often hear other players say, I hate to play against them because they are tough competitors and they are Peterborough through and through and through. They have been there so long and they are a huge part of that nucleus that Slava inherited when he went there and that he has built around to build up this team that, as you say, was very, very impressive last year. And when you look as well, Last summer, Slava announced in one go the re-signing of his uh, NIHL1 South team. And they finished third in this league. And there has been a jump in quality this season as well. So you have to say well done to all of them and well done to Slava for coaching them to third place as well. But as you say, there's going to be changes this year. Is Alice Padlet going to come back, their top point scorer? Will he come back for another season? How will Slava replace the Ferrara brothers? Because although you may be able to bring in someone who can bang up the same number of points as James, although you may be able to bring in someone who can, you know, grind out the the tough defensive shifts at the back like Rob, you're not going to have that experience that those two have with them. And you're also, they're not going to be as yet bought into the system because they've had a long time now under Slava to buy into the system he plays, and they know it inside out, and you can see that when they play it. If you bring, you could probably, well, you could easily recruit somebody, I guess, who's going to score the same number of points as James. But is he going to in that Phantoms lineup? Because he's going to have to adjust to his teammates, he's going to have to adjust to Slava's system, and it'll take a little while to bed in. So I think there is a, a, a tough challenge ahead here for Slava and the Phantoms of maintaining this uh, top echelon of the table next season because there are going to be enforced changes with the Ferraras going. And just on on one sad thing as well, which also affects others like Michael Gray at the Raiders, the Ferraras would have played last weekend and uh, skated off the ice, imagining that they are coming out this weekend as well. And... Fair play, huge win to go out on, a 10-3 win over the Swindon Wildcats. Great game for them to go out on. But they would have come off the ice last Sunday, imagining that they were returning to the ice tonight uh, when they were going to take on Swindon again, this time in Swindon. Uh, And then they would, of course, have had a home game tomorrow. And they would have assumed, obviously, that they would have gone on well in the playoffs because they're in third place, they'd already qualified, and they don't get to say their goodbye. And that, I think, is the real sad thing out of this as well. You know, like we've already said about the table being skewed and that. But when you look at the individuals that go out there week in, week out, how long has James Ferrara played for the Phantoms? How long has Rob Ferrara played for the Phantoms? And moving further along the table, how long has Michael Gray played for the Raiders? And yet they never get their their big goodbye because I'm certain the Phantoms fans and I'm certain the Raiders fans would want to say goodbye to James, to Rob, and to Michael as well, and that's now gone. Mark, I'm ju- I've just brought this up. Uh, James Ferrara's first game for the Peterborough Phantoms. I want you to guess the year. Oh no! Is there a, a bonus if I get it right or something? Uh, yeah, we um, might find one. James Ferrara's first game for the Phantoms. Do you need? Do you need? I can give you a clue. Two thousand two. It's in the 2003-2004 season. So you, uh, you're, do you, know what, do you know what, Mark? You might be one year out. Here we go. <laughs> oh, I, I knew it. That's what I was expecting. One year out. <laughs> yeah, oh, 2003. No. Well, I didn't get to choose my bonus questions, though, did I? No, that's very... You didn't offer me a choice on my bonus questions. That's very true. Yeah, bar two seasons away, well, three seasons away full-time with the, Panther, the Panthers, he yeah. has always been at the Peterborough Fan. Like, yeah. Incredible. 
he's 32 which is an incredible servant to the phantoms and yeah we'll be we'll be missed along with his brother right then um hang on mark i can hear a noise in the background ah it feels like my humble pie is ready to be eaten because we need to talk about the basingstoke bison now um yes. now we had different views on this didn't we the start yeah, of the yeah, yeah 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 so it's a hot fresh pie that i'm going to have to eat here and i'm really not looking forward to it because it's going to taste slightly bitter um look as far as I'm concerned, they're the surprise package in the league for me this season. Um, I still don't think they're anything special as a team. And I'm saying that with laughter. In my, I don't sit there and walk away from their games going, God, they were the most skillful team in the league. And I know the messages are going to come start flying in about that. I just don't, I don't, I think you're a very well-drilled team. I think you're a very well-coached team. And I think you execute what you're asked to play superbly. I'm not, I'm, look, I'm take nothing away from this you guys, listen to what I'm saying here before jumping on the bits. I still don't think you're a great team. I still don't think you're a, you're just a very well-drilled team You're a, who execute what they need to do brilliantly. Full round of applause to you. Congratulations. Yes, I'm having to eat this pie and it's really not really uh, hurting me quite a lot. Um, Norris and Tolbert were excellent pickups at that time in the season. I mean, there was already a wealth of, of young talent. Uh, Bailey Hayward, I, I like, I love as a young kid. I think he's going to have a bright future in the game as well. Ashley Tate uh, it formed a great partnership with Kleiner. And, and obviously, the minute you get two players that click like that, it makes a world of difference. Look, don't doubt me. I, full credit to you. Congratulations. Munch, munch, munch. Humble pie. You're fourth in the table. Congratulations. You've got the best backup netminder in the league, according to the stats as well. Like, full credit to you guys in Basingstoke because I would not have said this. I know you were you had a very different opinion, Mark. I would not have said, look, I would not have said sixth. And here I am having to talk about you guys in fourth place. Take nothing away. A very well-drilled team. Executed their game plans at times to perfection. Full credit to you. I still, I'm still not going to sit here and go that I think you're a, a great team. And I think you had some way to go to breaking that three, two, one. And I keep hearing about the cardiac bison. and I keep hearing about the fact that it was a team that w would deliver late. And maybe they, maybe they were fitter than every other team. And I'm sure there's a great team spirit there as well. Don't take, I'm not taking anything away from you. you you're just a very well-drilled team that executes their game plans to perfection. And if that, if that's what you need to win hockey with, absolutely, completely take the credit you deserve. Well, you know, I, I, I was impressed by the Bison last season. Very impressed. And one of the, the opinions we differed on when we looked at the season before it started, one of the opinions that we differed on was the, uh, the, the, the momentum and whether they still had the desire. Because last season they were written off. They were, you know, ninth, tenth, you know, they were down the bottom of the table last season, written off by everyone. And they had a point to prove. And they proved it last season. And again, this season, they have come out and they have battled uh, and they have got themselves to fourth place. Arguably, when you look at four, five, uh, four and five, uh, obviously in your table, it's slightly different to the IHA table. But, you know, there was that battle for four, five. But well done, because they've obviously bought into what Ashley Tate is doing. They are a predominantly young team. So yeah, their fitness will be good because they are a predominantly young team, but they've obviously, as you say, they've bought into what Ashley Tate wants them to do. Well, they go out there and they execute it. And 
I do believe there's a real never say die attitude in there. Um, I covered for Bavi a couple of times around Christmas, New Year. And there is a real never say die attitude in that Bison team that they have, I think, retained from last season. And I think it's seen them nick a few games this year that they probably shouldn't have done. And that's how they've got to fourth this year. And now the challenge for Ashley is to keep that never say die attitude going next season. And, you know, maybe just add a player here and there uh, just to, to to give them a little bit more firepower. Because when you look at the uh, the actual goals for and goals against, uh, Telford 2 1, sorry, goals for Telford 2 1 7, Swindon 2 3 3, Peterborough 2 2 7, Basingstoke 1 9 4, Hull 2 3 5, Milton Keynes 2 0 1. So for the goals for, I guess if they could just bang in a few more, then they may be on the right side because their goals against are not bad. At 179, they are tied uh, with the Swindon Wildcats for goals against. So, yeah, they, they will be looking at, you know, perhaps just slightly upping the offence for next season. And you have to say, you know, much as I was critical a few weeks ago, not critical, I was just uh, backing up my point that I believe that maybe, say, Danny Milton, Ryan Bainborough and that were in the, the top echelons of non-preferred, I guess, netminders, backup netminders, whatever you want to call them. But between Dan Weller-Evans and Alex Metham, they have had a good year in net between them, conceding only 179 goals in the season. So it's a great return between the pipes. And therefore, you would say if only they could just get a few more points up front, they have a chance to break into that top three next season if they can just get a few more points on the board. And one thing I will say, For Alex Metham, I know obviously this is a B's podcast and I know obviously Alex used to be a B. I think it's great to see him come back into form as well because Alex played a few tough seasons in Bracknell, didn't he? Where the defence in front of him was paper thin and he was lit up like a Christmas tree on a number of occasions. And I think, you know, when perhaps Ashley Tate announced him, a few few people on the, the Bison fans were like, oh, really? And he has, over the last couple of seasons, proven them wrong. So credit to him. Also credit to Dan as well, because, you know, they are right there in terms of goals against. They are where they are, though, because their goals for, obviously, has seen them lose uh, a few more games than they would have wanted to. And they are one, five, five, fifth or sixth in terms of goals for this season. So that, that must be something that Ashley will be looking at over this close season, you know, because as you say, him and Michael Kleiner together have formed an amazing partnership. But if you could just get one more partnership like that on his team, then there's going to be more in the goals for column and that will be more in the losses column and more in the wins column. Now, what he's, but, what he's going to be desperate not to do, though, is become the whole Pirates who we'll move on to now. Yeah. because uh, Well, just before we do, 15 Basingstoke Bison games this year have gone to overtime. That shows how close they have been this season. So if you just work on what, you know, if you look and you think, right, Ashley, if you could get one more natural goal scorer into that lineup, then you could possibly be avoiding most of those 15 games in overtime. It's a fairly even split, eight and seven, eight wins, seven losses. 
But for them, I think they just need like maybe one more natural goal scorer and then they're knocking on the door of that top three next season. Yeah, and they've probably got some of the young talent. We talked about Norris and Talbot very briefly. They've probably got some players who might look to make that jump across next season. There are some from Slough, just before we move on, there are some from Slough who are still annoyed that Norris and Talbot have both gone. The one thing I will say is like when you look, Norris and Talbot, uh, in the two games I did in Basingstoke that weren't against the Bison, got decent chunks of ice time. And also against the against the bees, you look at Norris and Talbot, they were both out penalty killing and they were both out on the power play and they did not look out of place. Look, so I think that's a great pickup by Ashley look, to bring them in. And Slough therefore have done their job in developing them to a standard where they were being held back staying yeah. where they were and they've now moved yeah, on. That, that's the, and that's that, what it's all about. That's the For point. NIHL yeah. two, NIHL one, and even NIHL national. It's about developing. And we'll come on to this, I'm sure. But players that could possibly make the uh, the jump up, um, it's about developing those players. And you can say, well done to Slough, because they have taken Norris and Talbot as raw talents and got them to a stage where they can play regular national minutes. They can play on the special teams and they don't look out of place. But frankly, they should never have been at Slough at the start of the season. They should have been in the National no. League from the start of the season. And it's only... And I'm going to say it, the selfishness of certain individuals have meant that these players have actually been held back a little bit. Get yeah, great credit. You've developed them to the point. But you've also got to know the moment where you go to your nest and you go, fly away, boy. Go learn and play at the best standard you can. I'm not going to hold you back because I want my own personal glory. You should be letting these kids and letting them go on. And look, in the end, it's taken a set of circumstances that has meant both of them have moved on. And it has taken. Agree, hundred percent. It should not. They should never have played for Slough in any game this season. They both should have looked to continue their development at a national league level. They should not have been held back. Anyway, we can move off that bit quickly onto the whole Pirates then, because there's a team got lots up top. Jason Hewitt, another hundred point season, top point scorer in the league. Congratulations to Jason on that front. Lots of support as well from the likes of Bobby Chamberlain. Great to see Mally Davies back out there as well. Obviously, had a terrible knee injury. Uh, early on in the season, so it was great to see him get back to how Maddie Davies can play. Um, but as ever, it comes down to the Ashley Smith conundrum with the whole Pirates. Now, this is where it's a little bit weird for us, because in the four games we saw Ashley Smith this season, I'm going to give him his credit. He was very, very good. He was almost stonewalling us at times. He was... He, yeah. he, none, of the, none of the nonsense that you sometimes hear from other games... From what I saw with my eye test in 120 minutes of hockey, sorry, 125, you go with him because he looks solid. But it, the issue is you then get another game where it's, oh, he's conceded this and this number of shots. He's conceded this and this. And you see it week in, week out. And look, I'm not getting into the whole sort of background of this. At the end of the day, is he the net might? Is he, is he the reason why the whole Pirates are fifth this season? Probably. Heard it said. I've heard it said that with a different uh, goaltender starting for the Pirates, they would be right up there at the top. It is possible. I mean, if you look at, uh, let's say, Rennie Marr, who we statistically called the best netminder in the league a few moments ago, 90.35 and four shutouts. If you look at Ashley Smith, 86.43. Now, I know that's only three point whatever it is, 3.67 or whatever, or 3.57 to be correct. but. You know, oh, I don't even know what it is now. I've totally embarrassed myself by not being able to add up. But it is a big difference. Even though it's only a small number, it's a big, 
big difference. And I guess, like, you know, one of the things I'll say, you know, I've not seen Ashley Smith for a few years until last season at Coventry when I saw him backstop the Pirates to the final four last season. And that was partly because the Pirates' defence kind of shut down the Phantoms because it's no disrespect to Ashley. It's well known around the league. If you can light up the Pirates' net, you have a good chance. More often than not, that Pirates' defence will be able to shut you down. You don't get to light him up that often. But when you look at the stats of 86.43, you think, oh, well, if that had been a 90, if you'd had Marin net at the Pirates with his 90.35, would the story have been different? Because offensively, they are awesome offensively. They are scoring the goals. They are up there as the biggest scorer of goals this season, 235. But they're only plus 10 because they've conceded 225. So is it is it a goaltending issue? And if it is a goaltending issue, without getting into the background of this, it's not going to change, is it? No, and also one thing we have to remember, like, and this is where we talk well about um, smart coaching moves, the, the, the whole Pirates two imports that were supposed to that were there at the, the start of the season so oh, I'm not going to say his name like so Olegs and uh, Peter Farbers both of them got binned brought in David Norris brought in uh, Matt Bissonette and both of them put up good numbers it's fair to say decent numbers like Bissonette in 17 games outpointed Farbers over 27 uh, Olegs only played 9 games scored 7 points and they already decided they needed to move on they were not afraid to roll the dice when they needed to in Hull. Um, and that, so sure, probably start the season if they had got a few more points. Yeah, from their imports, they might have won a few more games because at the end of the season, they were a free scoring team with the likes of Lee Bonner as well. Like, it, it's not just all on that one conundrum. It's not just all on that one player. But it's a big part of it. They were able to make the changes in the other bits of the team that weren't going well, yet stuck with that challenge and stuck with that problem but that challenge isn't going to change is it that's the issue maybe maybe it has to um, I th- i'm with you i think it has to and i think oh, i don't know i mean, I mean if they, got away, they got they got they got sorry they got away with it in the nihl north last season because there was only two or three games where actually you know it really mattered and if you made them high scoring affairs it's fine you move i think there was a little assumption hull at the end of the day one the NHL North, they won the Cup, they won the playoffs. So they had a good year. They had a good final year before the renationalization. God, I sound like Corbin. Renationalization of the uh, of the thing. Now they're back in the National League. They're in fifth place. And they must look at it and go, well, hang on it. We had slightly better, and I'm just going to call it defense. I'm not going to call it net. We had slightly better defense with the point scoring that we had going forward. We should have been challenging Swindon. We should have been challenging Telford. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there has to be some reason why you finish the league's best scoring team, 235 goals. Next closest to Swindon Wildcats with 233. There has to be some reason why you are free scoring, but you only finish up with a 10 positive on that because you've conceded 225, which is way more than the first, second, third, fourth, sixth, seventh uh, teams. They, they've conceded way, way too many goals, in my opinion. But I think it's an issue that is not going to, that is not going to change. I think it does have to. But is it going to change? It's, it's not changed to this point, has it? No. Is it going to change now? Um, 
is there going to be a finger of blame pointed? And you say, well, 225 goals, far too many we've conceded, and that's our issue. Because when you uh, when you look at the uh, the statistics across the league, Jason Hewitt, 101 points, well done. Aaron Nell, the only other person with 100 points. Uh, and then you've got Lee Bonner, who's coming with 73 points, uh, finishing up the top five of point scorers this season. You've got Bobby Chamberlain with 71 points. Uh, David Norris with 66. There is no shortage of scoring in there. And it's all very well. If you can score 10 a game, that's brilliant. But if you're letting in 11, it's no good. And a question does have to be asked. Because I think when you look at the offensive production the Pirates have generated this season, you then have to question, how did we only finish fifth? And I think the answer is glaring, but I don't know that it's one that can be changed will be changed. Yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting off-season to come in Hull, that's for certain. Right, there, Milton Keynes. Now, a sixth-place finish for Milton Keynes, I think some people will describe as miraculous, considering how the start went for them. They had, obviously, some major injury woes with the likes of uh, Russ Cowley having a long time out at the start of the season, uh, losing netminders at time as well. It ended up with a three-man rotation by the end of the season, really. Um, they 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 threw money at the solution. There's no there's no other way of saying it. Liam Stewart coming in, heck of a pickup, great player, did the job there. Also, and I've got to give them credit here as well. Like Robin Kovar obviously was a bit of a disappointment in a bees jersey. They linked him up with Liam Stewart. Kovar became a happy man, put up very decent points, eight two points a game, perfect. What you want from your import at the end of the day. So full credit to them as well. They got the best out of Kovar. They put the right. Uh, pieces in place around him as well. Um, yeah, so in the end, like, I, I think MK dug themselves out of a hole, a sixth place. They probably would like to be higher in that table and probably the budget suggests they should be higher in that table as well. That's not me being critical of them on the budget front, by the way. They they are able to get more fans in their building than pretty much any team in this league. If you can do that, you're going to have more money to play with. So I'm not I'm not complaining about it. It's just me saying, yeah, that's what they, they they must, I feel, must have one of the biggest budgets in the league. They went out, they did it, they got the success they needed because they had to rebuild the brand in Milton Keynes following the disaster that was their elite league campaigns. So a sixth place finish and probably would have had a decent run in the playoffs as well. I think overall they'll they'll look back on the end of the season and go, you know what, it's not been that bad really. I'm going to ask you a question, Graham. Have they dug themselves out of a hole or have they bought a digger to get themselves well, out of a hole? they bought a digger to get because, themselves out of a hole. <laughs> you know, when you chuck into roster Liam Stewart and then midway through you think, do you know what, we'll have Dean Skins and we'll split the starting goaltending as well. And when you look at that, it's, it's, it's you know, easy to see how they got from uh, outside the playoffs to a nice you know, comfortable mid-table position. To give Dean, to give because, Dean his due, he came in as injury cover when Lorde went down yeah. first time around and then yeah, they no, kept him true, on yeah. and they kept the rotation. Got no problem. Again, if you can do that and you've got strong net minding, no problem on that front. Like, a lot of old boys started coming back. A lot of other players came back. They made the decision as well to change from uh, Ari Nahi, who, yeah, was a slight disappointment at the start of the season, switched it up and brought in Robin Kovar. And then when Kovar got injured, straight away went out and got another replacement with Taylor Dickin. Thomas Kanar, who I felt was quite disappointing in the early games against the Bees. Well, he's ended up their top point scorer, so he can't be doing too much wrong. Um, but he began to step up as well. Look, it, it, they're a team that you know what you're going to get with, with some of the elements of that Milton Keynes team. I, I think there is a question about coaching with Milton Keynes. And I, I, I do think 
uh, it's going to come across as harsh towards Lewis this, but I do think they need slightly better coaching. And I think there's probably slightly better coaches sat on the bench who could jump into that role. And I think do get better results for that team. Oh, no, I, I don't disagree there. Um, Mark, was, Mark was not coughing there, ladies and gentlemen. He was just clearing his throat, just to be very clear. Well, nobody knew that because I'd use the cough button. Ah. I do now. Um, no, I, I, I don't disagree at all with what you're saying there. I think, um, I think, oh, this is this is going to sound so disrespectful. When you can afford to bring in players like Dean Skins, when you can afford to bring in players like Liam Stewart, when you can afford to swap your imports randomly because you need to, things are going to go well for you, irrespective of your coach. But with that team, would anybody else have coached them to higher than six? You've disappeared. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I entirely agree with you. It, like, it, it, is that where Milton Keynes might feel like they have to make the change uh, or a change the next season? Because they've got a very strong roster. Liam Stewart is already signed up for next season with the Milton Keynes Lightning, so he's going to come in strong. Yeah, like maybe that... Uh, look, there's no time for emotion sometimes in sport, and you sometimes have to make tougher decisions but I do, I do look at the MK roster. I do think if if they would be interested, someone like a Russ Cowley, someone like a Liam, uh, sorry, Lee Jameson, sorry, they could be very good pickups as coaches. And you yeah. do think maybe you just got to roll the dice. Maybe you've just got to go. You know what? Thanks, but we're going to move on because we feel. Look, don't doubt me. Pulling them. Was it the players or the coaching that got them up to six? It was the players because at the end of the day, all of a sudden there was a an invet- there was more talent available due to injuries, due to everything like that as well. Someone like James Griffin coming back at the back as well, very key for them. Look, don't doubt me. I think they'll look at six and they'll go, okay, from where it was to where it's gone and what we've done off the ice, we'll take this season. But you can bet your bottom dollar Milton Keynes want to be one or two next season in this league. It may seem harsh when you've, you know, you, you finish sixth and people will say, you know, uh, that they were great pickups in the season. It may seem harsh, but I'll be honest, last summer when the, the Lightning announced that they were dropping down and I saw Lewis Clifford announced as coach, I'll be honest, I thought, is that the best person for the job? And when you look at, as you say, some of the members of that roster, all the experience of Russ Cowley and Lee Jamison and players like that, um, is there a possibility of a player coach even coming in? Because a lot of teams do have player coaches. Is there a possibility of that instead of Lewis Clifford? You know, like when you look at the Milton Keynes Thunder last season in NIHL 1 South, that was hardly a resounding success. And the Lightning appointed Lewis as their coach. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like when you look at the talent on the roster, yes, they have done very well to dig themselves out of a hole. But I reckon they could probably have done that no matter who was coaching them. And that is something I think that we'll be keeping an eye on this summer as the announcements start to come. And speaking of that, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Because you're thinking, when's the right time now to announce a player? You know, I know Slava's already done it, but you're thinking, when are the announcements going to start rolling out? It's, it's all it's all weird, isn't it, this summer? But let's move on, shall we? Yeah, indeed. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a unique time, it's, as, we it's, it's, it's... as we keep saying. Right then, Sheffield Steel Dogs, seventh place finish, I think, overall. 
another progressive year for the Steel Dogs. Um, obviously, the big questions them moving into next year is: Will Kieran Brown, will Alex Graham remain for one more year with them, or are they going to step up to the Steelers? I know uh, Graham has really caught the eye of uh, Aaron Fox at the Steelers uh, and actually disappeared towards the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see if he goes away. Uh, the conveyor belt, I'm sure, will keep rolling through players up there. I like Ben Morgan as a coach. I like, I love him as a player. What he's going to do, uh, I think, the two things the Steel Dogs might be able to do is uh, change up on their imports in Dalacek and Luca, and uh, certainly for a few conversations with a few people from around Sheffield, the question that really hangs over them too is, did they do enough? Uh, I think the, the, I get the impression with them, you never got the two of them clicking at the same time. One would be on fire and the other would be on ice cold and then they'd reverse fortunes. You never saw games where both of them were completely firing up. Uh, and I do wonder, like, they'll probably both feel like, well, that's a bit harsh if I get released. I think I did all right. I think my point production was fine. I think for someone like Sheffield, they're desperate for those two guys to be real standouts and real big name players and real key players. And I just feel like for them that might be where they look. They're not going to change up what they've got as their core of their squad. It's a, it's a very good core, but they might just look at those imports and go, I mean, at the end of the day, they used to, in the days when they had Luvamir Corhorn and they had uh, Arnoldus Bozas, Bozas, remember him as a player, absolutely oh, dominant yeah. in this league. Like, God, what you give to see Bozas in this league again, even then going back to, who was the little lad who then ended up playing for uh, Guildford? Oh, he was in Payet's era. Oh, oh no! Oh, this is this oh, is no, a bad time no, to have a. No, 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 this no, is a no, bad no. time to have an absolute Yanis. Ah, oh, see, this is where our hockey. Yanis, that's the one. Like they were two yeah. absolute. I'm going to put the game on the back of my net. Well, Corhorn as well. Give it all three of them. I'm going to put the game on the back of my net. I, on my back, I'm going to be the best player on the ice. Sadly, I don't think Danacek and Luca were those two guys. And for a club like Sheffield, if they are to push higher up the table, they need those sort of imports. As I mentioned earlier, we are a two-import league and there's no room for passengers. And they have to, they absolutely have to perform. And I think, you know, maybe they're going to have to make changes there in the summer. The Steel Dogs live in a, in a difficult reality because, you know, here in Bracknell, we are the senior team. In Basingstoke, the Bison are the senior team. In Peterborough, the Phantoms are the senior team. But then when you get to Sheffield, very much the Steel Dogs grab all the media attention, everything in Sheffield. And it's always been very, very difficult for the Steel Dogs to almost exist in the shadow. And I did say earlier about, and so did you, about the Bison and Norris and Talbot coming from a feeder club from a league below and moving up. And that's what we're all here for. You know, if players are happy at this level, that's fine. If players want to go up to the elite league and they can, no coach in this league should hold them back. And that's one thing that's always been a thing in Sheffield, hasn't it? Is that you have the Steel Dogs, the Steel Dogs and the Steelers coexisting on each other's doorsteps. And you look at, let's say, some of the talented names that you've mentioned and you think, are the Steel Dogs, uh, are the Steelers, sorry, looking at those players? Am I therefore looking at replacing them next season? Because I don't think any coach worth their salt is ever going to hold back somebody if they have an opportunity to go up and play at the next level. So, yeah, uh, obviously questions in Sheffield for Ben Morgan. Will he be able to retain the talent that he's got or are the Steelers looking at it 
And also, is he going to make those changes in the uh, in the two import slots? Because to me, those two imports have to be standout leaders on the ice. Otherwise, they need to be changed because you can't carry a passenger when there's only two. Those two have to be the the leading force both on and off the ice in terms of the way they prepare for games, the physical condition, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and the on-ice returns. And I don't think Sheffield got the best on-ice returns. And when you compare them to some of the imports we've seen in Sheffield, because let's be honest, the Steel Dogs are very much a made-in-Sheffield organisation. They work hard to get those junior players ready to play for the Steel Dogs, and they've come through and they've done the job year on year on year. But when you look at some of the imports that Andre Payet has brought in in Sheffield, and then you look at, say, the two now that Ben Morgan had, you think, well, they're not really wearing their heart on their sleeves, are they? They're kind of turning up and thinking, I've done enough. I'm probably safe. I've done enough. Whereas if you go back to Ozilins, oh, you know, I'll win this game for you. If you go back to Payet himself, there's nothing he wouldn't have done to try and win a game. You look at the two they've got now and it's almost like, well, I've turned up. What more do you want? Yeah, it's very, especially Danacek. Danacek's numbers are less than a point a game. That's simply not. Which is yeah, simple. Which terrible. is simply not good enough. So plenty of questions in Sheffield. Um, and do you know what? It, it, it's almost a very similar point we can start making about the Raiders because, again, the core that the Raiders have uh, with their eighth place finish is outstanding. And it's it, like... Jake Sylvester, Brandon Ailiff are two brilliant young talents. Absolutely. Watching those two grow season on season has been a real highlight. Um, you've got to give full credit to the Raiders and Sean Easton for the way he's developing them. They've And they've got that core mentality there now as well. Like guys like Sean Barry on D are just like dependable players that you want, along with the likes of Dan Scott, Aaron Connolly, etc. Like the core is really strong in Raiders. They also made a really good decision, I feel, at the start of the season. When early doors, they looked at some Malinsky and they went, he's not the guy for us. He's okay, but he's not the guy for us. We need to go out and get an impact player. Eric Piatak, the minute he signed, we both straight away said, well, if the Eric Piatak that played for Guildford and Peterborough comes to the fore, he's going to change the Raiders around. And guess what? That's exactly what he did. He just became such a key part of that team. I think it just gave a little bit of confidence to everybody in that outfit moving forward that, look, we're here to make a difference. We're here to make to be competitive. We're not just going to be happy to be a ninth place team in this league. We're going to want to go out there and try and do it. And yeah, Eric Piatak ending as the top point scorer. You see someone like Lukas Slakowski, who ups and downs for me. Novak, you know what you're getting from him. Like it, It's just a very competitive team, that Raiders side, especially in their own bar in their own barn, on the smaller ice pad. They're a challenging team to come up against. And uh, then also with the net minding, obviously, to like oh, five net minders they went through this season. That's a crazy amount. And I've actually got six down on it because Bradley Windermank didn't actually play a game in the end because he picked up an unfortunate injury at the start of the season. But he's going to be a great young talent as well. But Ethan James, Michael Gray, Greg Blaze, like uh, we saw Tom Adams as well in, Basin, in Bracknell one game, sorry. like. It's a real... Ethan James gave them the stability they needed at the back. Eric Piatak gave them the the confidence, I think, to that forward using... move. You, sorry, that forward... That forward... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The forward... Them, the group of forwards move, moving onwards. <laughs> he could, t- he could yeah. tell we're going long here. The words aren't beginning to make much sense. 
Um, he gave them the confidence to go out and, and deliver. And full credit to them, the Raiders. Eighth place is where they are officially finishing the season. It would be very interesting to see where they would have actually finished because I do think we would have won in Sheffield on Sunday and we would have gone into eighth and I would have backed us from there to hold on to eighth spot. Um, but take nothing away. I said at the start of the season, there's a chance the Raiders, we, we, you got criticized for saying exactly the right thing about the Raiders earlier in the season. There's no superstars on that team. It's just a hardworking unit. It's a really hardworking unit. There's no superstars. It's exactly right. And the, but luckily for them, they all worked hard. They continue to work hard. And eighth place is where they finish. You asked me earlier on a, uh, a question about would I take Rennie Ma if I was the coach of a team? And I'll ask you, if you're looking at the, the Raiders roster, is there anyone there that you take? Because to me, it's a very likable roster. There's no superstars. And I'm guessing, you know, without any inside knowledge on this, there's probably no egos either. But what there are, are there are a lot of committed players who go out and get the job done and things happen. And I think it's absolutely brilliant that Sean Easton has got this bunch of lads together and got them to play to each other's strengths because that's what he's done. He's identified the strengths of each of his players and he's put them into situations and positions where they, they can excel at their own strengths. So, you know, when you look at some of the players like uh, Alif, when you look at Mason Webster, when you look at Aaron Connolly, when you look at Dan Scott, you look at Novak, you think, hey, look, you know, I don't see there are many coaches in this league. If those players did come knocking on your door, I'm available. I don't think many coaches would say get lost because there's a lot to like in that Raiders roster. And also, as I said earlier, and I'll still stand by it now, when they come together and they play their game, they play their system, they are a very, very good team that I'm still going to say it now, even though when you look at the final reckonings in the table, they've finished above the Bs, I'll still say it now. I think as a group, they exceed the on-paper uh, expectations. As a group, they play above that, and that's credit to them and it's credit to Sean Eason. It's not a dig in any way whatsoever. It's actually a compliment in that they have come together as a fantastic team, and they have battled, let's be honest, battled hard with the Bees, and the record books will now always show that they finish one place above the Bees. But they're not complete yet, though, because the Raiders were on a losing streak. The Bees were hitting form. You'll never know now what the final outcome would have been. I am with you. I still think we would have gone to Sheffield on Sunday had we not had to call off for obvious reasons. We would have gone to Sheffield on Sunday and I think we would have come back in eighth place. But I'm taking nothing away from the Raiders. They have battled very, very well this season. Um, and, you know, good. I guess they've got a, a good kind of reward. For, for battling away. And when you look at some of that talent on the roster, it's still young and it's still developing. And yes, eighth place is seven short of the top, but that roster, if Sean can keep it together, is going to keep developing. And if they can get a whole season, say of Eric Piatak in there as well, because let's be honest, the first game we saw him, we thought, oh, he's not quite the Eric Piatak he was. But then when we saw him later on, you're thinking, all right, he is now. He's settled in and he is now. If they can get another full season, obviously all the players will be one season more experienced, the youngsters as well. 
You've got the great leadership of Aaron Connolly and Dan Scott, who are both great leaders. I think, you know, there are promising times ahead for the Raiders. Do you know the scary thing? When I was chatting with Aaron oh, a couple of weeks ago now, he said, we actually feel like we've we've under-delivered. We, we feel like we, we have not done what we should have done this season. That's kind of like reassuring. And I appreciate that's a opposition captain building up his team as well. And But that was a very honest comment from, from Aaron was, we, we feel like we've under-delivered. We feel like we haven't... We 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 haven't done as well as we think we should have done. So, yeah, interesting to see how it goes with the Raiders. Like, there's some good steps there. Um, yeah, hope that it's all going to go well for them. Right then, how do you want to do? Also, the other one thing I'll say is uh, best wishes to Michael Gray. Yes, apologies, I did write that down. And here. also, congratulations to Ethan James, who I guess now has kind of inherited the starting role. If you think back to the start of the season, the end of last season, the start of this season, you would think without Michael Gray, the Raiders are stuffed. Well, that's not the case now because Ethan James, Michael Gray has been available for the last few games uh, back from injury. He's had a horrible last couple of years, hasn't he, Michael Gray, in terms of injury. But he's back from injury now. But Ethan James is on such a run at the moment that, you know, he has kind of kept Michael Gray out the net. So. Best wishes to Michael on his retirement. A fantastic long servant of the uh, the Raiders. And some big names dropping out at the end of this season now and retiring. So best wishes to Michael. And obviously best wishes also to Ethan, who I reckon will probably be the Raiders starter next season. Yeah, I did write Michael on my list and then just completely blew past it. Apologies. So that is poor from me. Um, right then, how do you want to do it? Do you want to do the 10th place team and then come back to the 9th? Let's do the 10th place team. Yeah, I mean, this is, look, First of all, full credit to each and every player that has put on a Leeds Chiefs jersey this year, has put up with not having a home rink for a lot of the season, playing every game on the road for quite a while. They're moving into their barn, getting settled in there. Obviously, we forget halfway through the season, Leeds had a load of their kit stolen as well. Like They, they have had everything thrown at them as a unit, and they have come through the end of the season. They've had some highs at Ellen Road already. I'm quite excited to see Ellen Road when it gets finished. If it gets finished, when it gets finished, delete as applicable, because I think it could be a good little hockey barn up there. I know there's a fan base already building there. I think there is a passion for hockey that is going to grow there very quickly. Sammy Zajac, I love as a person that goes back years. I think Sammy's going to, if he's given the time there, he's going to make that a success and really turn it into something. They're going to be able to start picking talent. They're going to start looking around and be able to bring in more guys. We now have a home. We are now based in Leeds. Leeds is an amazing city um, where people are going to want to take the opportunity to potentially move to and 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 go to. Um, they will come strong. I, like there has been challenges this season. They have had results. They've beaten the bees this season. They've beaten the tigers this season. They've beaten a lot of teams this season. Um, Sam Gospel in net is a, is an outstanding netminder. We all know what Sam can do. Give him a little bit of support in defense. He's going to be even better. You've got someone like Luke Boothroyd and Sam Zajac at the back. Hey, that's an old EPL All-Star team, effectively, nearly a few years ago. Like They are two very talented D-men who are going to bring a lot forward for the Leeds Chiefs. It's been a tough year. The most important thing is, one, you finish the season. Two, you're in your own building. You'll build from there. It's going to get better, Chiefs fans. It's an unenviable position for the Chiefs because not only is it difficult to start a new club 
Um, because what you've got to do is you've got to, you know, basically you start from scratch. You appoint a coach who has absolutely nobody to play alongside him or indeed to play under him if he's a non-playing coach. But you have to build that team. And the other part of it is to build your club, which has been very, very hard. And when you don't get home uh, or don't get home ice even until the, the middle of January, it's been a very, very tough year for the Leeds Chiefs. They have trained away from Leeds. Every game has come with a long, long journey for them because they weren't playing at home until the middle of January. They had, as you say, their kit stolen. I mean, they've had all the bad luck that you could have had and they've had it this season. And yes, when you look at the results, it's it's not a great season. But I think for Leeds, this season has been about more than just the results. I mean, they're some way adrift. 8th, 46, ninth, 45, and 10th is 28. That's when you look at the EIHA skewed table with those stupid five nils and everything. Um, but when you look at their results, it's, it's unfortunate for them because it has been a very, very, very tough year. There is, uh, and I remember saying this after our first game with them on the, the Bees Radio Network, I remember saying there's an awful lot of talent in that roster, and when it clicks, it's going to be a very, very tough proposition. It hasn't clicked often enough for them this season. You can see that. But when you take into account all the off-ice issues of no home venue, no home training, stolen kit, replacement kit, breaking in new kit, when you take into account all of that, you think, all right, do you know what? You've not done bad this year. And if Sammy Zajac can retain a nucleus from what he's got this season, I don't think he needs to retain everybody, but if he can retain a nucleus of what he's got this season, then I think, you know, things are looking much better for the Chiefs because they'll get a whole, a whole season on home ice. They'll get to build their brand in the community as well, which is something that, we, you know, we're working very hard on as well. And we already had a starting point as we are looking to uh, build back up our integration into the community and build up our brand locally. Leeds didn't even have that. They're starting absolutely from scratch. Tough season for them. And one thing I will say before we come on to us as well, I've said a few times, you know, if so-and-so can pick up this kind of player, that kind of player. One thing that we have seen this season is, uh, let's have a look, for example, at Robin Kovar. Didn't work out in the Bees. Had one solid game and the rest non-existent, didn't work out. Gone to Milton Keynes, and he's had a great time there. If you also look at the Raiders import, Malinsky, didn't work out for the Raiders, did a fantastic job at the Bison while they were suffering with injuries to their two regular imports. So when I say if he can pick up a player, sometimes it's not about picking up an ace player from somewhere. It's about identifying someone that you've seen play that you think, well, no, do you know what? They'll fit our system ideally. And we've seen it with Kovar. We've seen it with Malinsky. And we may see it across the summer where players that we've thought, well, they've not really had a standout season. Maybe they're in the wrong team with the wrong system. And when it comes down to it, perhaps if they swap team, swap system, swap line mates, maybe they're going to be a different player in 2020, 21 <laughs> than they were in 2019, 20. So, I know I've said a few times if he can pick up, but it is a possibility that we will see a few players swap teams over the summer. We'll obviously see a few rising stars coming over the summer across the league, and we may see some new to this shore names, depending, of course, on what happens with uh, Brexit. 
Do you remember when we talked about such glorious things as Brexit? (laughs) Yes. Do you remember when that was actually a news story? Crazy, isn't it? Like, you know, what, six weeks ago, all the news was Brexit, 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 Brexit. And now, never even hear it mentioned. I think that's the first time I've heard it mentioned. We'll have to re-educate people on what Brexit is by the end of this anyway. Yeah. Well, Brexit means Brexit, and we're going to make it. Apparently. Apparently. We'll say no more. Right then. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, is that, oh, God. <laughs> Still got an hour to go. Um, right then. Let's move on to the TSI World Bratnell Bees, a ninth place finish. Now, I have to say this before we go any further. Obviously, every other team we've done a review of, and that is judged on how we look at them over the course of a season. But we do not have the uh, forensic insight that we will do uh, uh, compared to the TSI World Bratnell Bees. And I know some people will feel that at times when we criticize or when we make comments it it comes across as uh, it comes across differently um look it, it's a difficult game the challenge is because the players are much more in our eyesight where we know a lot more uh we see a lot more of them we read a lot more of their play it's what we basically do the analysis on um if i was to turn around to you and say that i don't think the csi world bratnell bees will be happy with a ninth place finish um, that is 100% correct. I'm not happy with a ninth place finish for this team. I think the team on paper should have finished a lot higher up the table. I think the team in some of its performances this season did disappoint and they'll be the first ones to admit that. I will also say this though, and I think this is the very key bit to go into this season. This was really the establishing of a core season. This was really getting some great young players to come through and develop in their roles, whether they are moving along from being young D-men to being older D-men and developing in their play, whether they're moving from D-men to being leadership within a team, whether it's being a netminder who's getting used to becoming a starting netminder, whether it's being a young player that's coming through from playing for the Hornets to playing ice time for the Bees. It has been a real year of development. So on that front, it is a big, huge, giant tick for me because you look at so many players that have stepped up this season. You look at so many players that have committed to playing this season. You look at so many players that have developed as the season has gone on and that is full credit to them and you look at where we're at at the end of this season you look at the run we were on by the end of this season where look we're turning over teams left right and center and we're also coming up close against other teams as well to the point where i i still feel with confidence yes we would have finished eighth in the table this season because now i'm not saying that eighth is oh brilliant we made eighth yeah brilliant we made the playoffs no, because we should be finishing higher than eighth in this season. We don't sit here at the start of the season and go, do you know where we really want to finish this season? We want to finish in eighth. Expectations and aims are a lot higher than that. So whilst I can understand people going, oh, yes, we made eighth, we will finish eighth, brilliant. And I'm saying, talking, believing we would have finished eighth in a real positive term. I expected more. But I will say this, it is a young team. And I think that you do need these years. You only have to look back to the year Slava Kudelkov took over in Peterborough, the start of him developing his core. And his first year he had there was a disappointment because he was getting all these young players through, he was developing his core. And then after that, Peterborough had now become one of those most consistent teams in the league. I do believe there is an opportunity for the Bees to become that team in this league because they have just had the opportunity this year to go, you know what, we're going to blood in all these guys. We're going to give them opportunities. We're going to see who sinks. We're going to see who floats. We're going to see who wants to develop. We're going to see who the ones who, who are just going to hit a point with us. We've gone through quite a lot of players this year. We've, we've, we've seen plenty of people put on a bees jersey for a short while and then move on as well. Look, it's been a year of chop and change, but what we've had by the end of this season is a real core of players that I think 
gives you an insight into where the future of this club is going to be. Yeah. Um, the records will always show ninth. I firmly believe, as you do, eighth. But <clears throat> even so, eighth isn't anything to, to shout about. Before I get on to on the ice, I just want to mention off the ice. I think that we have made great strides off the ice this year in our outreach to communities. We've done some fantastic charity work and stuff like that. The school zone, the group zone and the community zone have come on strength to strength again. Off the ice, this club is becoming healthier and healthier by the day. And in terms of on the ice, it's been a disappointment. You can't say anything other than it's been a disappointment in terms of the actual wins and losses. It has been a disappointing season. But look at the positives that you can take from that. I know that sounds really, really crazy when you say it's been disappointing, but look at the positives that we can take. We found Dominic Gabay, who is going to anchor this B's lineup next season. And then you've got Roman Malanik, who is still consistent, who is still solid, who is still doing unbelievable things and just embarrassing players with his puck control. It's brilliant. Then you look at some of the other youngsters in the team as well that have come through. Luke Jackson, he's raw, but he's got it. He's got it, and it's going to develop. That shot that he's got, we mentioned, didn't we, against Peterborough? Uh, who was it who wore a Stepaniak shot? We mentioned, uh, if there's anybody in the league you don't want to wear a shot from, it's Stepaniak. That'll be Luke Jackson as well, because Luke is only young. He will get bigger, he will get stronger, and that shot will get even harder as well. And that, I think, is an asset that's missing now. I think back many, many years now, when defensemen would score for fun from the blue line with laser slap shots. And now that's gone. Jackson's got it. What a talent. You look at Josh Ely Newman. And I said that in our last game. Who's that man at the net? Who's that man there working hard? It's Josh Ely Newman, Josh Ely Newman, Josh Ely Newman. There he is. He works so, so, so hard. And here's another positive from this season. He would be, for me, an instant re-sign for next season. You look also at Zach Milton. Zach has battled so hard towards the end of this season. He had a great start to the season, got him international recognition, and he played for uh, for the GBs. Well done to him. But then he's battled so hard, and it's the character that he showed to keep going and to try so hard to come out of that as well. I think, you know, when you look at this B's league table position, you think, oh, well, the season's just been rubbish. But when you look at everything behind it as well, Stuart Mogg has had to grow into the role of team captain. And he's done that. And I guess this is difficult as well. You know, Joe Baird was our captain last season. Joe this year played a, a slightly different role for the Bees with a performance managed role as well, which meant he couldn't carry on as captain. Stuart has had to grow into the role. And I am certain, knowing Joe Baird, I'm certain that Joe Baird would have been there for him in support and not interference in any way whatsoever. But it is difficult, isn't it, to take on a role when you, the person that you are replacing is still there. It is difficult. Stuart's had to grow into the role of uh, captain. He's also now one of the leading defensemen as well. So he's had to grow on the ice and off the ice in his character, in his play. And he's done well. He's done well. Um, Adam Goss. There are times, I'm sure, and we've seen it. Let's be honest. We've seen it on social media. Change the netminder, change the netminder, change the netminder. Well, would you change him now? Seriously. Like, you know, 
You look at Adam Goss. He suffered an injury a few weeks ago that kept him out for, what was it, three, four weeks? He's come back. Would you change him now? His stats are not the best in the league because he did have a shaky start. It's his first time starting. And it's very different being a starter than a backup goaltender. Adam has had to grow into that role this season. But I ask now, and you asked me earlier about uh, Mar, I ask now, the way Adam finished the season, the way he has kept us in games, the way he has stolen games, would you change him for any other netminder in this league the way he's finished the season? And these are all positives moving forward. So, yeah, when you look at the table and you see ninth, you think, well, that was a rubbish year. And I guess if people look back in like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, I think, my God, the bees were rubbish in 2019-20 when you look at the table. But I think there's more to it than that table position because what Doug Shepard has done this year is he has tried players out and he's seen how they've responded. As the season's gone on, he's rewarded those who have responded well with greater roles, more ice time. But what he's also crucially done is he's thought, right, this is a player that I can build around next season. This is a player that I can build around next season. This guy here is going to set the league on fire in a couple of years' time, and we just need to keep nurturing him. So Doug has had, I guess, a successful year in building for the future as did Slava, like you mentioned, you called it. There were people when Slava signed at Peterborough. Get rid of him. He's no good. He's no good. He's no good. Any Phantoms fans listening to this now, would you change Slava Kulikov? Of course you wouldn't. And the same here in Bracknell. Doug has had that year where he has almost had to restart again, where he has had to build, I guess, for his vision of the future. And I do think there will be changes over the summer. I think that goes without saying. But Doug has built his vision of the future. And almost this year has been kind of like an extended interview, hasn't it? To be to remain a part of the Bees, do you have what it takes to play for the Bees? Do you have what it takes? And a lot of players have come up and they've answered that question. Yes, we do. And I think, you know, looking forward, I don't see a ninth place finish next season. <laughs> no. And... Uh, as I say, I think this year, I think we, we went in with aspirations of being up there. Um, unfortunately, that hasn't quite panned out. And instead, we've been able to pivot and turn it into a season where we are developing these these young kids and we are developing all the players in our team. Even the likes of Ryan Webb, someone like Ryan has, has stepped into this bees outfit. And I didn't even make No, and to Ryan, to me, I think has been like, there are players who just aren't going to get written about. There are players who just aren't going to get um, mentioned about. And it, that's why I'd be interested when it rolls round to the end of season awards, which I know there are plans to try and do digitally um, because obviously there won't be an event anymore. So there are plans to try and do the end of season awards digitally. It's always said the ones, the ones to look out for, and, and I appreciate it, loads of you have voted on this and what I'm about to say might seem like a slap in the face. But the one to always watch out for is player's player because that's the one where you get the respect of your peers. And the minute you got the respect to your peers, and I always love it because it's always never, I've never ever seen a player's player one be voted kind of similar to how the fans have voted for it because it's, it's just a yeah. different reading of the game. So I'm going to be very interested to see who wins the player's player of the year because that's where you'll see someone who we're not mentioning and someone who a bit more of an unheralded player but someone that the players know week in, week out has delivered has delivered outstanding performances on behalf of the team. 
not necessarily someone who's going to take the headline writers, but someone who the players know that without them putting in the graft each and every week, they aren't going to win the award. Um, it becomes a, it, it, it's certainly fascinating. So, look, fans. Yes, ninth place is a disappointment, but the future's there. I think we're seeing with what we're doing off the ice. I think we're seeing with how the community is growing. I think we're seeing with some of the fan. Look, full credit to each and every one of you. I could say this and everybody hears it rather than the people on the Patreon now. But there have been some outstanding attendances towards the end of this season with fans packing out the hive. Um, and I really, it's a shame because I reckon tonight we would have seen a huge crowd in at the uh, the hive to see us take on the bison. It would have been a packed out arena tonight. And I really, it's a real big shame on that front that we're not getting to see it. And look, yeah, it, would, it helps the coffers if you're seeing that many number of people walk in a building. Don't doubt me. But for me, it's more the excitement and knowing that people are in the community are looking at the bees and going, that's where I want to come and be entertained. That's what I want to be a part of. That's it for me. And we've seen that from the start of the season through to what we saw as the growth over uh, February and March. And obviously the biggest disappointment at the end of this all is obviously with the season coming to its abrupt end is James Galazzi's testimonial right now is... I was going to use the phrase on ice. That doesn't sound right, but it's it, it is kind of it's, it's kind of off ice at the moment, unfortunately, for James. Look, a great servant to the bees for the last 10 years. Uh, a real great influence in the dressing room. I know with the fan base as well. Um, and he deserves, this is the thing, he deserves that night. He deserves at the moment of uh, celebration and glory of what has been a great career so far in a bees jersey. Um, and it's a real shame that obviously that now gets pushed back. I, it will still take place. It's just going to be a little bit longer. We all have to wait for that. Instead of it being in the middle of May, it is going to be a little bit later. But it's just going to mean that when it comes along, it's going to be even more special. Yeah. I mean, 10 years with any club is a great achievement for any player. And I think you can see that whilst James is not a young player anymore, I think you can see that he's developed a lot over the last two years. The role he has been asked to play has changed over the last two years. And he has slotted in and done a brilliant job doing this new role, which to him is something new from the role he's traditionally played. So, I, you know, well done, James. Great achievement of racking up 10 years with one club. And I feel for him because he, like many people, um, not only is his life now on, like, almost suspend with what's going on, but this testimonial that so much work has gone into with a day all, like, planned and everything, it's now going to have to be postponed. And the good news is, that it will happen. And I know it's obviously frustrating for James and it's frustrating for everyone who was going to come along on that night. It is very frustrating that it's not now happening. Uh, The good news is, sadly, the date that was originally planned was the night that I was working. So I would have had to have missed it. And hopefully when the new date comes, it'll be a date that I'm not working. So, uh, James, we are still all behind you, mate, and you will get your testimonial. And hopefully everybody will turn out for a true bees legend. I know that word is overused, but 10 years with one club. Fantastic servant to the bees. That's 10 years so far as well. We have no idea what's coming, but 10 years so far with the bees for James. Uh, And hopefully he will have a fantastic testimonial when it does eventually come around, when it's safe to do so. Exactly. Right then, that's wrapped up very nicely the 2019-20 season. Hopefully you enjoyed that by far. We go to a free-to-air platform and we produce the longest podcast of the season. We'll be running out um, of room to upload. Now. Yeah, but exactly. But yeah, hopefully that's giving you a nice roundup of everything as well. Hopefully that's giving you 
Uh, plenty to listen to, plenty of food for. Always interested to hear your thoughts as well. Please do drop uh, us a, dro- a line on Twitter or whatever, because um, we'll always be interested to debate any of the points here. At the end of the day, these are just two people's opinions. These are not facts. These are just two people's opinions about things. Um, and as I said, it's part of our social obligation at the moment right now. We'll be back with another podcast uh, later in the week or maybe next week. Uh, not quite sure what we're going to talk about yet, but we'll come up with some conversation points to talk oh, through. We'll find something. I'm sure. <laughs> we'll find we'll find something. something. Um, but yeah, really do appreciate it. For those of you listening for the first time ever, hope you've enjoyed it. If you're on Apple, please remember to subscribe and leave a review for the podcast as well. If you're on Stitcher, add us to your playlist. If you're on Spotify, you can follow us. And if you're on TuneIn, then you can favorite us as well. More importantly, and finally, we can say this and everybody's going to hear it. Mark. How does everybody keep up to date to with all the latest from the TSI world, Bracknell Beat? Well, obviously, there's a lot going on at the moment, and we are keeping as abreast of the situation as we can. The place for news is the Bracknell Bees website, bracknellbees.com. If you're on social media, then you can go to Facebook, you can go to Twitter. They are both Bees Ice Hockey. And if you go on Instagram, it's the Bracknell Bees. And don't forget, as Graham said, plenty of ways now to enjoy this podcast and to subscribe as well. And then you don't even have to do any hard work. You don't have to go looking for it. It will come and find you and notify you when there's a new episode. Exactly. If you're listening to us on day of release, which is the Sunday, hopefully we'll see you on the watch party later on tonight. It's a Steelers game from 1994 to look forward to, but there'll be plenty of other watch parties and we're working on a few other things as well. Hopefully we're going to get some of the players involved with something as well, which I'm going to keep under my hat for now, but I'm quite looking forward if we're able to make that one come and to you life. you usually take your hat off as well. I normally take my hat off. I remember to for national anthems. Unlike oh, someone. oh, oh, hello. There it is. Uh, there it there is. It hello. is. Look, we're over an hour and a half and the first, well, we're over two hours <laughs> and the first gig has come out. Well done on waiting so long. Uh, change man, I tell you, self-isolation's doing things to me. Most importantly, and it, look, much as we've sat here and we've enjoyed the last two hours, and I know we wrote this in the press release and instantly got told it was a bit corny, but genuinely, please be safe, please be aware, and please be cautious right now. Each and every one of us has their role to do. Everybody do it. We've we've done something for the last two hours to keep you entertained. The least everybody can do is do their bit for society as well. Mark, until next time, take care of yourself. Hope you're well. Keep well, Graham. Keep safe. And we'll we'll chat soon. Indeed, and keep washing those hands as well. Until next time, from all of us here on the bees. <laughs> Until next time, from all of us oh, here on, 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 on the. Just before you sign off, happy birthday, happy birthday. You've got to do it twice, haven't you? Got to do it twice. Now yeah, you don't can do it sign once. Off. Now I can sign off. Right, perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Hope you've enjoyed it. Until next time, from all of us here on the bees radio network podcast. Take care and goodbye. That doesn't mean I can handle anything stronger now. Just think how we do I have a pot of lager, please! And a pack of blankies! Bees Radio Network. BracknellBees.com.